Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Squared is the nothing personal word of the day for March 17th, 2022. Today is Thursday. Double D. Not Dave Dombrowski. Not a bra size. Not a math equation. This is what every front office said last night late while you were sleeping. Damn Dodgers. Freddie Freeman signed a six-year, $162 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. And the reason why I would say damn Dodgers every time they would do something, they were toward the end of my career. In the beginning, it was the Yankees, who were always far and above the biggest spenders. Then it was the Dodgers, who we thought were bullies with their money, and I've documented that through my 500, our 557 episodes. But when you know that you're in a division where you've got Mookie Betts, and then you follow him up with Trey Turner, who they acquired from the Nationals, and then you put Freeman in the three-hole, and then you still have Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, and by the way, there's a chance that Bellinger could be okay in the seven spot. And oh, their biggest free agent signing to date before Bauer, their longest free agent signing until yesterday, is in the nine hole playing left field. Remember A.J. Pollock, the Diamondbacks castaway. You're thinking to yourself, these Dodgers are just spending to win 106 games every year. They will win 100 plus games again. And then you just got to hope that you can find a way that their pitching isn't good enough that Kershaw's hurt or is a number five, that Bueller is a number one but doesn't pitch like an ace, that David Price is 77 years old, that Tony Gonsolin doesn't take a step forward. Maybe they don't get to re-sign Kenley Jansen and their bullpen falters without Joe Kelly and Kenley, etc. But you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't know if we can beat these guys. That's what the front office is doing. But then you go about, you look at your team. But now that I'm not in a front office, I get to analyze what happened with Freddie Freeman. Yesterday, he posted an Instagram, which is when I knew 
that he was done. It meant he had chosen a team. His Instagram post was thanking Braves country, saying he'll always be a Brave. They've got the world championship. It was the usual. The one thing that bothered me about his post is I know Freddie. He's really smart. He listens to his advisors. He has great people around him. And yet, day two in a row, Coca, of a nothing personal Samson grammatical lesson. Go take a look at his post it was great to be a part of the Braves championship organization. It was great to be a part of the Atlanta community. A-P-A-R-T. Nope, that means not together. A-part. It's two words. I love being a part of your life. A-space. P-A-R-T. So he does this Instagram post. So as a former executive and as a current host of this podcast, I said, all right, his decision's made. The only question I have, because everybody was saying yesterday, the Tampa Bay Rays, the small market, low revenue Tampa Bay Rays, them without a stadium or a relocation plan, smartest front office in baseball, they're doing it. They're entering the big leagues, the sweepstakes for the top free agent other than Correa, as a position player. They are going to sign Freddie Freeman. And those of us in the game said the Rays are no chance. Toilet pants signing Freddie Freeman. But the rumors were out there before the lockout. They made a serious run. The Red Sox are a late entry. None of that was going to happen. Freddie Freeman, from the beginning, wanted to stay in Atlanta or go home. People were saying the Blue Jays could get him because he's dual citizenship with Canada. No. He wanted to be a Dodger. Did he want six years more than being a Dodger? What if the Dodgers were only offering him a Trevor Bauer type contract minus the administrative leave and the violent sexual proclivity? That's like Freddie Freeman is the anti-Trevor Bauer. Maybe that's why the Dodgers were willing to go six years. I just thought of this as we're doing the show. Because you put Freddie Freeman in a clubhouse, maybe Freddie Freeman can convince the other players, hey, it's okay to have Trevor come back once he's done with administrative leave because we don't want to just release him and his $40 million. Or they're going to get rid of Trevor Bauer, Bring in Freddie Freeman and say, look, we listen to you. We know we don't want a cancer in the clubhouse, so we're giving you Freddie Freeman. I can't tell you how opposite. Like the antonym of Trevor Bauer is Freddie Freeman. The antonym. That's how good Freddie is for your team off the field. So Freddie's negotiating with Stan Kasten and Andrew Friedman in separate rooms because they don't like being in the same room. And you say, excuse me, what do you feel about the sixth year? Well, we don't really do that, and that'll put you at 38, and and we're not going to backload it. We'll pay it evenly, even though the contract terms haven't been released yet, but we don't really engage in that because we've got the cash flow to do it. So I think five is probably outside our comfort zone. Would you be interested in four at, you know, 160, 150? We could get you to 35 a year for four, 38. How about even maybe 40? Would you do 40 million a year for four years? Wait a minute, you'd let me do 160 for four? Nah, I really want five years. I want money until I'm 38 years old. I want the sixth year. 
Well, we're offering you four. How about five? Would you do 40 times five for 200? No, we won't do that. We'll do 160 by five. Freddie said, no, I, if I'm going to leave Atlanta, the only way I can do it is if you give me the sixth because Atlanta wasn't willing to give me the sixth. So you have to do the exact contract, and now it's less money per year, so you can actually have more players, so you won't go over the Steve Cohn tax threshold of 60 million over the CBT. So why don't we just do 6162? So then Cast and Friedman meet with the ownership, and they say, what do you think? And the owner said, what's gonna happen with Trevor? And Stan Kasten said, let me call Rob. Hey, Rob, where are we with Trevor Bauer? Is he on the books? Is he not on the books? He's still on the books. We're going to suspend him, but it's not going to be for long. We're not suspending him for a year. And he's got a guaranteed year. All right, we're going to do the math. We're at 235. Then we're going to have Freddie. We're going to be around 260, 270. All right, Freddie. We're willing to go six years. Freddie posts on Instagram. I doubt he calls Alex Anthopoulos to say he's not coming back because once Anthopoulos traded for Olsen, that was the end of Freeman in Atlanta, which begs the question, did Anthopoulos call Freddie, which I think he did, and said, hey, Freddie, last chance. We're about to trade for Olsen. Any chance you want to take our deal of five years, even though it's out in the media that they didn't call Freddie, if I'm a team that's had Freddie as the face of the franchise, I'm definitely calling Freddie. And I'm going to say, this is it. Last, last moment. Freddie declines. Now the more important question. Did Freddie have six years from L.A. when he declined the five years from Atlanta? Or did he take the chance that he'd be willing to go five years from L.A.? instead of five years from Atlanta. And here's where the chess game happens when you're signing free agents. Here's where the back channels go when you're talking to players, you're talking to other agents, you're trying to figure out, you're speaking to other teams, but you're not engaging in collusion, but you're trying to get as much information as you can. And then you're calling members of the media to try to see what they know. Because here's what you can have happen if you're Freddie Freeman. You can't turn down the Braves five years and then have nothing but three and four years from the other teams. Which means that Freddie knew exactly where he was with LA. So that means the only thing left to negotiate was the notional amount. Because he had the six years which he needed in order to save face by telling Atlanta no but then he had to get to the 160 that he wanted. But then my whole theory is called into question because the rumored size of the deal is 162. So does that mean that he had 160 elsewhere and the Dodgers gave him the extra 2 million, maybe the tax equalization because the Tampa Bay Rays were gonna give him 150 and so he needed 162 from the Dodgers, rough math, very rough because it's off the top of my head because there's no state tax in Florida and there is in California, which is roughly, let's just say it's an extra 10% of taxes. So 148 would be the equivalent of 162. So maybe Tampa offered him 148. And so the Dodgers had to offer him 162. Or maybe he was always going to go home, was never going to go to the AL East Rays, didn't want to play in front of 17 people. Because Freddie, of all people, is not Chris Bryant. 
So it's all a mystery. Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers, the only thing we know for sure. And the Dodgers went from 600, 6 to 1 to 5 to 1 to win the World Series. One player shouldn't do that, so there's no value. Don't bet the Dodgers to win the World Series. But man, their lineup's good. And the best part of last night for all of baseball is that Dick Monfort was on his phone. He was looking at his phone and he was saying, This is amazing. We're getting crushed for signing Chris Bryant, the former Cub and the former Giant. We gave Chris Bryant $182 million, but we are owning the news. People are saying we don't know what we're doing. People are saying, look, we've got the weirdest front office in baseball. Dick Monfort doesn't care what you say. People are saying, wow, what are you doing signing Chris Bryant when you just traded Nolan Arenado last year to the St. Louis Cardinals and paid his salary to get rid of him? Well, that's not exactly what we did. Of course that's what you did. All right, what else are they saying? They're saying we're not re-signing our own free agent, Trevor Story, that great shortstop, but we're bringing in Chris Bryant for $182 million. What the hell's wrong with them? So he's looking at his phone, and he's saying, this was supposed to be the greatest day in Rockies history. We went out, and we got a free agent to come to Colorado in one of the great overpays of all time. We've got it. And then it was so negative, and then it was, shh, it was done. He didn't even get an overnight news cycle. He's in the same division as the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants. The expanded playoffs won't even help the Rockies. They have zero chance, and for a reason that is unbeknownst to everybody who doesn't live in Denver and work for the Rockies. And I will not rest till I find out exactly what they were thinking. They signed Chris Bryant to a seven-year, $182 million contract. Chris Bryant, I had a wait to see yesterday. Wait to see. Chris Bryant signs with the Phillies because that's what Bryce Harper wants. And the Phillies have a chance to give him plenty of money and plenty of years that he's not getting anywhere else. And it's a win for Scott Boris. God, was I wrong. And you know, I revisit wait to seize when I'm wrong. I revisit him. I couldn't have been more wrong faster. Not only is Chris Bryant not on the Phillies, but Scott Boris got Dick Monfort to give Chris Bryant seven years and $182 million. So here it comes, everyone. Sit down, breathe, and recognize that it's not personal with me. No, we're not at the end of the show. It is not personal with me. I can compliment when people do things that are beyond the pale, when they do their job so well that you just look at them and say, my God, are you good at your job? Even if it's relative to how bad someone else is at their job. I still compliment Scott Boris for getting us to overpay on Wei-Yin Chen, even though we paid over on Wei-Yin Chen. So we're bad at our job, but man, Boris was really good at convincing our owner that Wei-Yin Chen was going to be the difference maker. My chapeau is off. And it's tipped prior to coming off. As I say to Scott Boras, you are good at what you do. You find a sucker every minute of the day. You found someone to sign your player to a contract 
that is guaranteed to be paid off by more than one team. And you got a full no trade clause from a team who's guaranteed to trade him, which means you're going to get more leverage for more money. Do you remember what you did to us with Charles Johnson back in 2002 when Dave Dombrowski gave him a no trade clause? Because even back then he was good at tr spending other people's money and signing people to contracts that were way too big. And then we had to trade him to these same Rockies. And you called us and said, we're not going to allow the trade unless you give us $1 million. And I was livid. And that's when I said, I'll never give a no trade clause again. Never say never again. Never, because I did it 11 years later to Giancarlo Stanton. But that was the next time I did it. $1 million to Charles Johnson. And we were able to trade him to the Rockies and got a World Series ring because of that trade. Thank you, Juan Pierre. And thank you, Mike Hampton. So... Chris Bryant has a no-trade clause. Went to a team. Forget the fact. You're going to read that a lot today. He's going to Denver. He's going to hit 60 home runs. It's going to be tough on his legs. He's going to play all over. He's a versatile player. Chris Bryant's the type of player you bring in to help you finish off a championship team. You don't make a championship team around Chris Bryant. He's not that type of player anymore. The Rockies are a better team with Chris Bryant than without him but they're not a good enough team to prevail in the division or to be a wild card team. So what would be the reason? Why would a team have a plan and then not stick to it? Well, I'm the exact person to ask because I ran a team for 18 years and we changed plans more than I changed my underwear. We're going to sign a player. We're going to trade a player. We're going to go for it, then we're going to tear it down. Then we're going to go for it again. Then we're going to tear it down when we don't win. Then we're going to try to win because we already won. The Rockies, how many World Series do the Rockies have, Coca? Count it. It starts with a Z and ends with an O in case you're playing Wordle with four letters. Zero. So their plan started last year with that crazy trade of their best third baseman of all time the best defensive third baseman, a great guy in the clubhouse who they gave over $30 million a year in an extension and then got divorced and then traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals, Nolan Arenado. So I guess they're rebuilding. What you do is you wait for the Padres to flame out because they're, they've, they're built up. They're in the middle of Machado. They've got Tatis in surgery, but eventually they're, they're going to have to rebuild, of course. And... I guess you hope the Giants don't have another career season where they win 107 games and win the division. So you're always playing for second place because for the next seven years, you're going to be playing for second place with the Dodgers. There may be a year scattered now and then when a, when a team can win a division, but likely that would be the Padres or the Giants. So Dick Monfort makes the decision that he's going to do this and then is the absolute butt of all the jokes. What would I do? What would I have said to myself to convince myself and the owner that this is the right decision to bring in Chris Bryant right now? Only because I was involved in labor? Only because I run a team that has not won enough? But did you not have your first-year GM, Bill Schmidt, say to you, why would we be doing this? Why are you approving this when we got rid of Arenado and aren't keeping story? 
Guess what, folks? You're about to learn something about how front office works. Guess who got rid of Nolan Arenado? It wasn't this GM. Bill Schmitz, in his first full year as GM, took over as interim. This is his move. He gets to own this signing. He gets on his resume as he has his career move forward. When, believe me, we all keep track of deals we've made. We keep track of deals we've inherited. We keep track of deals that have gone well, deals that have not gone well. We all keep track of all of those things. This is on Bill Schmidt's ledger. When the Rockies make the playoffs because Chris Bryant, this versatile great player, is playing third base, he's playing first base, he's playing corner outfield positions, he's playing center field, he's hitting in the middle of their lineup, hitting 63 home runs, he gets to say, my signing. That's the problem when you have general managers who are not as focused on the team as they are on their own resume. I used to love giving contractual security to our GMs, whether it was Larry or Mike. Didn't matter. I wanted them to know that they had a great number of years, but more importantly, I always wanted them to know that we were going to fire managers, not GMs. I wanted them to know that when you're working with Jeffrey, when you're working with me, You've got the knowledge that we are making decisions together and that we are not going to sell you down the river. Which worked until we fired Larry Beinfest after failing in 2013. One day I'll tell the story of why that happened. But it did not happen because we stopped having faith in him. It happened because we had to have it happen. There was a power struggle within the organization, and Larry lost. But the fact is that Bill Schmidt gets to say, we are starting the Schmidt era. The Rockies will continue to be the butt of everyone's jokes, and I've been that in baseball. They will continue to have losing seasons, as they did last year, and they're going to realize that they overspent for Chris Bryant in a magical way. They're going to have to have him waive his no-trade clause, and they're going to have to pay his money down like they did with Arenado when it, everyone realizes that he has been completely overpaid. Watch that happen. Okay. I, let's take a break because when we come back, we're going to talk football. Something happened yesterday that I got. I let emotions get in the way, and I want to explain what I did and why I don't regret it, and why my anger and frustration with Deshaun Watson is at an all-time high at the moment. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Today is March 17th, 2022. We watch a movie every day. I watched the final, and I've got 10 days to go until the Oscars. I watched the last nominee for best picture that I hadn't seen because it's streaming now. So now I've seen every one of the nominated movies. I believe now, Coca, there is not one movie in any of the major acting categories or writing categories that I have not seen. So get ready. It's about to be ballot time. I feel pretty. 
oh so pretty. I feel pretty, so gitty today. I don't think those are the words. Do you, how many of you, when you watched West Side Story and watched the song being sung by the likely best supporting actress who played Anita, when she sings I Feel Pretty, just tell me, how many of you thought of the movie Anger Management with Adam Sandler and Marissa Tomai and Jack Nicholson and John Turturro? When they sing I Feel Pretty at the end and sort of at the beginning, actually, twice in that movie. Did you think that that was from Anger Management, not West Side Story? How many of you remember on Nothing Personal when I say, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day? Did you know that was West Side Story? Did you know that Stephen Sondheim, the guy who just died, did the lyrics? Jerome Robbins, the choreography. This is a movie with Natalie Wood that Steven Spielberg, for a personal reason, decided to redo and cast Baby Driver as the lead, along with a never-before-acting high schooler. Well, she acted in high school. She was in high school when he cast her out of 30,000 Marias. Rachel Zegler. So I'm watching this two-hour and 36-minute movie. Gee, Officer Krupke, I kept saying to myself, why is this so long? And why is it so bad? And then I thought, God, I'm just old. It's the it's it's nominated in every category. Best director, costume, cinematography, everything. And then I see 90 year old Rita Moreno, who was in the original, who had some original songs in this that are nominated for original song. And I've got a lot of feelings inside. I'm feeling old. I'm feeling happy that I love musical theater. I'm feeling as though that Rita Moreno is an absolute rock star for being in this movie at 90. I'm thinking about the way they updated it to recognize the world we live in today, but it's still a tough conversation. The beginning of the movie, it's about race and Puerto Ricans and white people in gangs. But then I said, why are we redoing this? What's the purpose? So I was very down, and then I did some reading, and it turns out that Steven Spielberg and his father, his late father, had talked about Spielberg always directing a new updated West Side Story, and he did it for his dad. And that was the end of my feeling upset. Because I get it. Steven Spielberg will go down in history as a Mount Rushmore of directors, a Mount Rushmore of parts of the entertainment community. His project, which many of you have never heard of, which is incredibly meaningful to me, where he has cataloged Holocaust survivors, he has put them on tape so their stories will live forever. And he funded that entire project. He gets a pass. He doesn't get a Best Picture statuette. He will not get a Best Director statuette. There's a chance that the actress who played Anita will win Best Supporting Actress because she was good. But overall, if you're going to spend time to introduce yourself to West Side Story, go original. And I don't say that too much. Okay. Deshaun Watson's a quarterback for the Houston Texans. 
Deshaun Watson has 22 pending cases against him by women around the globe, or maybe just in Texas, but I think around the globe, who he would fly in or call on to massage him. We've talked about Deshaun Watson for a year. Deshaun Watson would then allegedly make them touch his penis. He would be aroused, which is not necessarily groundbreaking when you're getting a massage, but yet it's supposed to be something you don't take advantage of and you try to think of your grandmother all the time when you're getting a massage so it doesn't happen. Trust me, that works. Deshaun Watson was under investigation, so the Houston Texans did not play him for one down last year. A healthy scratch. He got paid every dollar because he's not been suspended because Roger Goodell refused to act prior to knowing whether or not he was going to get charged criminally. And then last week, the grand jury decided not to indict him, and that led to a flurry of activity. Houston Texans' new coach, a guy named Lovey Smith, wants an end to this Deshaun Watson situation. Either wants him playing for the Texans or traded. Wants to rebuild his team or play one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. The Miami Dolphins were rumored to have wanted him last year. Flirted with Deshaun Watson, thought of trading for him with criminal charges pending, then decided against it, then hired a new coach, then doubled down on their current quarterback so the Dolphins were not engaged in any talks to acquire Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause as part of the extension he signed right before he got in trouble. And now, word came out yesterday that Deshaun Watson is torn struggling with the decision of where he wants to play next. Yesterday's show, we talked about the Falcons. We talked about the Panthers. We talked about the Saints. Can't remember who else we talked about. Maybe the Eagles. There's a fourth team in there. Doesn't much matter. But the fact is, he is struggling. The Browns, of course, with Baker Mayfield. That's the main thing we talked about, Coca. That's where my head is. Thank you for being on it this morning. Then it gets leaked out that he's torn about where he wants to go. And all I kept thinking is, how dare he? Why does Deshaun Watson have the ability to control his destiny? Why are there so many teams out there willing to trade with the Houston Texans to acquire a player of questionable moral integrity, of questionable football skill given that he's been out for a year, though it's probable that he's better than the quarterback situations on the teams who want to trade for him. And then I thought, what really sickens me is that I'd probably trade for him also. Even though I've told you in the past I wouldn't trade for him, maybe I'd trade for him, I'd have to think about it. Is he going to be charged? Do I know how long he's going to be suspended? Is there any way that I can talk to him first and meet with him? And now I'm able to meet with him because all these teams met with him and they brought their coaches, GMs, presidents, owners. Did I look him in the eye and say, you know what? You deserve the benefit of my doubt. Or do I say that my entire career is based on rings and that if you win a ring and have a parade, people don't care what kind of player, what kind of person, what kind of moral integrity, what kind of moral compass, it doesn't matter. They want to celebrate a winning team. And then I see huge Browns fans like Mike Ryan of the Levitard Show say, I don't know if I can be a Browns fan if they trade for Deshaun Watson. And we're talking about one of the most loyal, great fans of a franchise that probably doesn't deserve such loyalty. 
So then I said, there's got to be fans of all the other teams who are feeling the exact same way. So is it true that we all care about winning more than anything else? We hear it in movies. We're going to win at all costs. I guess it is. I was that way. At all costs but cash. (laughs) That's not true. We lost money. I swear to God, Jeff, we did. So Deshaun Watson wakes up this morning deciding where he's going to go. He goes into those interviews, and he was interviewing the teams. Can you imagine that ridiculousness? The four teams had a trade package ready to go, which is the only way the Houston Texans allowed their player to meet with the teams. So when they walk in the room, it's all backwards day. It's the player interviewing the team. What do they do? What do they do? Does Deshaun Watson say, tell me, now that you're going to lose all these first-round picks, let me see your roster. How's your cap situation? How does my contract fit it with your cap? And do we need to do an extension? Maybe an adjustment. Maybe we're going to redo my contract like Aaron Rodgers and we'll spread out the dead money, move a lot of money to now, lower my cap hit, give me a signing bonus because I'll take more money because I have no idea how much I'm going to have to pay to settle these civil cases. Do you think that's what Deshaun Watson was doing? He was trying to get as much money as possible into his settlement fund? And these owners and presidents were jumping all over each other to restructure his contract or to show them what great city. Do you have any idea how much fun it is in New Orleans? Maybe they came with the rub maps for each of the cities. That'd be something. They printed out the URL. GTS, if you want. Sickens me. Not that. It sickens me. It all does, actually. So here's how this ends. Deshaun Watson in the next couple of days is going to choose his team because at the, te- at the very least, the team said, hey, you got to tell us one way or the other because we got to go to plan D, E, and F. Yes, I'm going to call him plan C because I don't want to believe that any of the 30 teams out there, ex-Dolphins, ex-Texans, any of the 30 teams out there had him as a plan A. Coca, are you willing to now acknowledge that Luka is a top five player in the NBA after watching last night's Nets game? Are you willing to say it or still no? So he's, Coca, stop yelling in my ear. That is not true. I want to name them. Name them. All right, I'm going to let you on what's happening right now. I got Coca telling me that I tell you all that I've got eight players in my top five. I don't. I have said Luca's a top five player for the last two years, period. No, I did not, Coca. I said John Moran could be a top five player. I don't believe I said he is a top five player, but he may be a top five player. And then I'm going to put him, don't go pull the show where I said it. I Okay, I'm having a whole conversation. They can't hear you. You want to come on? You want to come on live and say that you guarantee that I had John Morant in the top five? But then tell me at the same time, to all the people listening, which you've helped build, so there are a lot of people listening, you have to come on, show your face, show your voice, and say that you have Luca outside the top five. I'm going to count to five because we're talking top five. You have five seconds to come on the show and tell me that you do not have Luca as a top five. One, two... This is your moment, Coca. Three. There's only two left. 
four, four and a half. Where are you? Look at you quiet as a mouse, four and three quarters. Are you telling me that you have Giannis and Steph? Still LeBron? Four and seven eighths. Did you watch Luka against the Nets? Did you watch the Mavs cover? So I'm 31 and 22, four and 63, 64s. Yeah, whatever. Mavs covered. NCAA tournament starts today. This is your last time. Is it, Are the brackets still open, Coca? If you go to cbssports.com backslash NPDS brackets, you can fill out a bracket. There's even a chance the link works, though I can't guarantee it because Paramount, Viacom, CBS had a problem doing links, which is somewhat surprising given they should be in the business of links. But in any case, to fill out a bracket because the tourney starts today. I love March Madness, not because it's all about CBS, but because what's cooler? I'm so sad about Rutgers last night. Double overtime with someone with my son's namesake having the game of his life. Anyway, I got a college basketball pick for you today. The number one seed when they play 16, it's always tricky, isn't it? The lines are always so big. And once in a while, the score is 90 to 30. But every once in a while, it's like 75 to 68. Well, let me tell you something. Norfolk State needs to get a little more than 20 and a half from Baylor. Hurry up and get that pick in because it's an afternoon game. Baylor minus 20 and a half over Norfolk State. Get the bracket in. Okay. Next. Wait to see. We have a new wait to see right now. We lost yesterday's wait to see. Something else happened in the NFL yesterday. Do you remember the debates we've had for so long, especially this year about overtime? For those of you who are not aware in the NFL, there's an overtime rule that if you win the toss, you get the ball, even though when you win the toss to start the game, you kick the ball because then you get the ball in the second half. It's called deferring. Nobody defers in overtime. When you win the toss, you get the ball. And if you score a touchdown, it's a walk-off. And then the game ends. And there were a bunch of games last year. I think Mahomes was in a game, in a great playoff game. I want to say it was against Buffalo, where Mahomes won the overtime toss, drove the length of the field, scored a touchdown, and Josh Allen never got a chance to touch the ball. And everyone was up in arms. You got to make it like college. Everyone's got to have a chance. I happen to absolutely agree. To have a game in the playoffs decided, frankly, by a coin toss, is very problematic to me. It is problematic because if I am the president of a team who loses the toss and then loses the game, I then officially lost my mind. Yesterday, the Tennessee Titans. Is that the team that lost the Super Bowl on the one-yard line? That could have been the Nashville Predators. I can't remember. That was a long time ago. That's the one from Castaway. It was them. They lost to the Rams. Remember when that offensive player, Helen Hunt, was describing to Tom Hanks what he missed? And he said, you would have loved it. We have a team now, and we almost won the Super Bowl. We came within one yard away. Anyway, it's that team. I think it's the team with Ryan Tannehill. So, I think they had the coach of the year, too. I was watching the uh, NFL awards, and I think they had the coach of the year. Good team. They made a suggestion. We want to change the rules in overtime. That's enough. We've heard enough. In Major League Baseball, you can't say that. You can't change rules in baseball. We're going to have the same rules. We're never going to change because people will be pissed. 
just makes me angry because the NFL changes rules all the time. Here's our new rule, Tennessee says. We want both teams to get the ball in overtime, except if the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown and goes for two and converts it, which is the equivalent of getting a touchdown twice because a two-point conversion is a touchdown from the two-yard line. That's what a two-point conversion is. What are the chances on two plays in a row you get a touchdown? Two-point conversions are converted. Not that often. They're not gone for as often as you'd think, and they're not converted as often as you'd think. And I have absolutely no analysis on that. No math. Coca may know the exact percentage of two-point conversions that were converted during the course of the last NFL season. Let's even pretend it's over 50%, which it may be. So what Tennessee is saying, that the only way another team doesn't get the ball is A, if you score a touchdown on the opening drive, and then B, if that team converts the two-point conversion. Then we're okay with the coin toss determining because that shows that the defense is really subpar and substandard. What do you think of that rule? I'm out, and the NFL will be too. This is called a wait to see. We'll revisit it because we'll know next year what the overtime rules are. This proposal by the Titans will not be adopted. Should it? No. The NFL has to find a way to get both teams the ball so there is no scenario under which, not one scenario under which, you could have a walk-off in overtime. Remember what a walk-off is in baseball? Do you know what that is? Yeah, you can only have a walk-off once the other team is hit. You can't have a walk-off on the road. You can only have a walk-off at home. So by definition, both teams had a chance. I was pretty close, Coca. 48.7% of two-point tries were converted. That's pretty good. I said 50. I may have said maybe more than 50. 48.7. Not bad. Good catch. Good find. Good correction. So walk-offs in baseball happen, but only when both sides have a chance. Walk-offs in hockey, I guess in theory and over time you could win the face-off and then drive down the ice on offense, shoot and score, and the other team never had a chance. But they certainly have a chance to win the face-off. Now you're saying to me, the chance of winning a face-off in the NHL is the same as the chance of winning a coin toss, 50-50. No, there are players in the NHL who they specialize. They're really good. They win a much higher percentage of their face-offs. And if you've got skilled players at that position, you win a face-off, then drive down the ice and score, you deserve that. NBA overtime, it's timed. It's a five-minute period. You're playing another almost half a period, half a quarter. The NFL is the only major sport where that happens. What about soccer? Coca, help me. I think it's a shootout. And if it's a shootout, that means that each side gets a chance to shoot out. Maybe it's the most of five, the best of five is overtime in soccer. So what other sport is it where it's a flip of a coin that can decide the outcome? The answer is zero, which is why it will not be adopted by the National Football League. You wait to see. Okay, I've been trying to get to this for a few days and it's gonna happen now. It's a short three-minute segment, so stay with me, please. This one matters to me, and we just ran out of time the last few days. 
one of the things that happened after the January 6th insurrection, and this is, I just relax. There's a little politics, but you know nothing personal has some politics. After January 6th, there were a bunch of companies who said they will no longer give money to any politicians who did not do anything other who do support it. God damn it, Coca. 469. After January 6th, there were a bunch of companies who said we're no longer going to give political donations. We're no longer going to support politicians who, su- who supported the insurrection. And I told you during one of those shows, don't you worry. These companies will start giving money to those politicians because these companies care a lot more about their power on the hill than about anything that's right or just or proper. And wouldn't you know it, every one of the companies who stopped giving political donations after January 6th has restarted. And the reason they've restarted is enough time passed, they thought you'd forget. Well, my erstwhile state where I lived for many years, a state that I love but frustrates the hell out of me, is Florida. Florida has a governor that has his sights set on the White House. And believe me, if you knew Ron DeSantis, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, you're not voting for Ron DeSantis as your president. Ron DeSantis and the other people you have elected into the state legislature passed a law which made it illegal for teachers to mention, teach, or in any way educate anything about LGBTQ. Let me just make sure you heard that correctly. If a student goes up to a teacher and says, I feel as though I'm gay, the teacher cannot respond, discuss it, teach about it, that student will feel alone. If there is someone in history who was gay, can't teach that part. For whatever reason, the politicians in Florida believe that when you put your head in the sand, it makes things go away. Turn it off like a light switch. It's no little Mormon trick. We do it all the time. That's what the Mormons did. When a Mormon was gay, go watch the movie Excuse me, go watch the play. Excuse me, go watch the musical. Josh Gad, Book of Mormon. When you're gay and you have feelings for men as a Mormon, they just say, turn it off like a light switch. That's what Florida is asking you to do. Just turn it off. Pretend it's not there. Here's the problem. When you're gay, you're gay. You can't learn to not be gay. You can't suppress it. The best thing we can do is teach kids who are born gay how to be gay, how to deal with the difficulties, the stereotypes, the fact that they're going to be made fun of by people with brains the size of peanuts. Walt Disney's a company that operates in Florida. Walt Disney did nothing, and they've got more political weight in Florida than any other company, than any other person. It's not even close. Walt Disney did nothing to try to stop this bill, and they could have. Walt Disney's employees were not very happy about that. Walt Disney Company then had to apologize to its employees for the way it acted as a responsible corporate citizen that they did not get more involved in stopping the passage of this bill. And I ask you, is that a little late? 
aren't you trying to get involved when it comes to who you want elected into the legislature? Are you shocked by the fact that people in Florida supported this bill? Who are the politicians? You think the Walt Disney Legislative Affairs Company, the Legislative Affairs Department, just discovered this? Just asking, just between us. But Walt Disney did the second best thing. They said, you know what? We agree. We heard you. We apologize to our employees. We're going to suspend all political donations in the state of Florida. Mark my words. They'll suspend them, and then they will start them again. Walt Disney has the power it has because it controls the politicians it controls because of the money it donates. And if you think for one second that Walt Disney is going to stop and cease all political donations in the state of Florida, then you clearly have never paid attention. It's just business. Gay. Gay. I'll say it. Gay. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.